0: Welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. Brought
1: to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home.
0: As Hollyoaks celebrates 25 years, we're re-releasing our interview with show original Lisa Williamson, who played Dawn Cunningham. Created by Phil Redmond, who was also behind Brookside and Grange Hill, Hollyoaks was the UK's first real teenage soap, and it quickly blazed a trail as the new kid on the block in the mid-90s.
2: Lisa recalls a really exciting time in her life and career. Enjoy! Well, Lisa, we're getting nostalgic for the '90s at the minute, and of course, you're very much part of the '90s. You were there at the very beginning of Hollyoaks. Tell us about how all that started for you. How did you land a part in the original Hollyoaks?
1: Well, uh, taking my mind back to the '90s, which is fantastic. It was a very peculiar thing because I um, I saw it in a, in an old acting magazine called PCR. I don't even know whether it still exists. And and I just it said brand new soap. By Phil Redmond, submit your CV. And there was no casting director. It was just submit your CV to Mersey Television. And uh, so I did. And then I had my first casting with Mersey TV in a hotel in London. and uh, And then I was invited up to Liverpool. And then they did a round of auditions that were over two days. And it was, it was exciting, but brutal as well. You sort of, you went in, Read a few pages of script with some of the other cast, or who would be the other cast. It was hundreds of people there. And then they would literally come out with a clipboard and say, so and so can go, so and so can go. And I just, and then gradually you're being whittled down to the last sort of 10, 20. And that's how it started. So it's all very exciting. Brand new soap right from the beginning. Now you were quite young then, but didn't you actually end up playing somebody even younger? That's it. Playing somebody in in, in a, as a in a teenage teenager, but um, but actually in real life I was probably twenty eight, twenty nine. But uh, Phil Redman wanted us to be um, uh, to play younger, but to be older. He uh, he had this idea, I suppose, that um, older people would if they were playing it, older people might watch it as well, and so he didn't want to do something that was like Grange Hill as such. So we were actually all older playing younger
2: we'll talk a bit about your character in a moment but um what did you actually expect out of Hollyoaks? i mean you obviously knew of phil's background that he'd done brookside and and Grange Hill, jill of course i mean you know he tended to do things that became quite big i mean did you know it was going to be a soap opera in the sense of what it became I mean, what were your expectations at that point
1: yeah I, um i think really Right from the word go, he, Phil is very, very good at, um, of c- creating an, a, a, a situation or an atmosphere that he wants you to enjoy or be part of. And he, sh- he shared his vision right from the offset, off, offset. There was never any, this might not run. This might not happen. He was very, very definite, definite. This is Channel 4's brand new soap. This is going to run for years. And, and we accepted, th- accepted that and were excited by that and took that on board as well. It was like, uh, wow. it's It was surreal, but it was like um, each step at a time, it was like Christmas every day, you know, getting ready for filming, doing fittings and thinking this could run for years and years. And it has, it has run for years and years, but he always knew that.
2: <laughs> Indeed, and it's 25 years old this year, of course, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And we're all 25 years older, sadly, of course. Now, your <laughs> Character, you were part of the Cunningham family, which um, is an essential part of the Hollyoaks uh, uh, setup, as it were. You know, that family still exists to this day. I mean, what did you actually know about the character at the time? I mean, were you told much about the character? How did it actually evolve?
1: It sort of evolved. I do remember there was one casting, I think it was the second casting when I met Phil Redmond. And I remember reading a piece of script and i i must have narrowed my eyes quite comically um or like i was um uh, uh, irritated by something um by one of the b- boys one of the me- the young guy, young men it was in the, in the script and i remember he sort of laughed and then i remembered he he then sort of went away. I think he started writing characteristics or things that we gave him in the audition. I then realised that the character I was going up for, she was started off sort of quite feisty and had quite a difficult background. But you, you wouldn't, the idea was you wouldn't argue with Dawn. That's how she started. Then she evolved into much more of a a, a caring, Uh, but taking control
2: of situations still, but quite a caring character. Did you have much input into that? And how much in soaps, when it becomes a long-running programme, do you think writers start to reflect more, in some respects, the character of the actor? How much do they actually start to reflect the character of the individual who's playing them, if you know what I mean. I mean, sometimes that does happen, doesn't it? Did it happen with yours?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think um, they sort of see how you are in real life and I think it's almost natural that they're going to uh, just start bringing that into the scenes because it was quite an unusual, fantastic um, situation but all the production staff, the writers, the actors, we would quite often all go out for dinner together on mass, of, you know, like 30 people for dinner or into a bar. So we all got to know each other quite well. So I think that if you were chatting to some of the writers, uh, or they would hear about something you've been getting up to, or they would sort of write that in. So you started realising that part, some of your personality traits would come into the show. Also, I, I would find that some of the writers, if they really liked your character, they would then go away and think, Shall we give this character something completely different to deal with, and just see how this character I'm I'm
2: writing for will will deal with this? So I found that a couple of times as well. I mean, as an actor, is it better to actually be playing against type? I mean, that you know, surely that's that's a challenge, isn't it? That's a good thing in a way.
1: Yes, I think so, definitely. I mean, I think it's a. I mean, of course, it, I think it must. It's lovely to bring out parts of your personality and having your truth um on the screen or theater or part of the story but then there's other times when it must it well i know it is great to play against your character type and or to do something like the, my storyline the the ending storyline for dawn where she um uh, had a terminal leukemia that was fantastic to be able to play to be able to explore that as an actor and thankfully not have that in real life, but be able to research it, speak to the Leukaemia Society. And I think that's just amazing, absolutely amazing.
2: I mean, let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, soaps are known, aren't they, for tackling gritty subjects, certainly in the last um, 20 or so years, but even further back, if you go back to Crossroads in the 60s. I mean, you think of Crossroads being this programme with uh, wobbly sets, etc. But Actually, in reality, it was quite gritty in parts, but certainly with Phil Redmond. I mean, he tended to tackle issues, didn't he? And I would have thought at that time, not many soaps had gone into such depth on a subject like cancer or leukemia and that kind of thing. I mean, did you have to put in a lot of research? Did you find have to find out a lot for yourself in order to play that part?
1: Yeah, I think because you you want to do it justice. And so, um and I remember contacting the, the Leukaemia Society and then somebody locally to where I was living in Liverpool. She very, very kindly uh, contacted me and told me her story about how she uh, had fought this disease and got over it. Even though my character... I knew my character wasn't going to get over it. But I'm sure within that situation, if you had something like that, you're fighting it, aren't you? You're fighting to get over something. So um it was brilliant to be able to t- speak to different people. But I don't think, yeah, you'd want to be able to speak to somebody that had had it.
2: And there'd been a history or something, I don't know, in Dawn's family of cancer as well. I think her mum had had it or something.
1: Oh, that's, yes, she did. Yeah. Yeah, we had that to deal with, didn't we? That was all going on. And, um, but I, what I love about Hollyoaks as well, and maybe, maybe a lot of the soaps do this is that, I just remember Hollyoaks in particular, overlapping storylines. So you had one massive storyline going on for someone like Dawn and Jambo had my leukaemia. And then, of course, overlapping that or underneath, there was also her sister's story of of being a, a 16 15 year old i think and and trying to hide her pregnancy so that was bubbling alongside you know so the audience had all these different storylines to try and and, and light storylines as well you know he he'd weave them all in you know it's uh,
2: so i thought that was very good lots of intrigue yeah and of course dawn actually had an affair didn't she your character had an affair yeah
1: i do i i worked you know i remember the day when i got the script and i thought what have i been up to Right. Okay, so I've done this. I got pregnant. I had the child adopted. It was you know you just think it wow, the writers have really gone to town for me today, you know. It's it was great, fantastic. Can you remember who you had the affair with? Yeah, it was um uh that is the guy, Mr uh, it was Osborne, Mr Osborne, who runs the pub and um I see, I, I can, rem- his name in real life is, is, of course, is Jimmy. Uh, but, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so Jack Osborne, that was him. And we both laughed our head off. He said, he, he took one look at me when I saw him, I think, in the canteen that morning and, uh, having a morning break. And he said, have you seen the scripts? And I said, yes. He went, well, we've, he goes, you've been very naughty. You know, well, that, that was my version of his Scottish accent. But, um, I said, <laughs> it's like, what? you know we couldn't believe that suddenly this is like this was now going to be our storyline you know so but he's funny they're you know great
2: bunch is i think mr osborne jack osborne is still in it i think yes he is still in it he's one of the original characters which um uh, who's still there he survived your affair and uh you know he's um, Probably, yeah uh, yeah exactly now it was supposed to be a teen soap wasn't it and you were older playing younger and I suppose Phil had given the program in a way something of a of a mission, as it were, to try and communicate with teenagers. Um, was that something you were aware of? Do you think?
1: Um, he, he's, it's very interesting what he did because he he told the press, and they then told their uh, the, the audience that were well, you know new soap coming out, and it's about teenagers and being a teenager. And then, of course, everybody was looking at the cast and thinking, well you're not teenagers. I think a couple of them were teenagers, but most of us were not teenagers. And then that caused a bit of intrigue. And then he asked us when he, when we did our first press conference, a big, great, big Channel 4 press, big meeting with the press. And, um, and he arranged, you know, we were on Channel 4, then we had to, we got in a little private plane and we were flown back up to Manchester. It was a real publicity drive. And, um, he asked us not to tell our birth dates, which seems crackers now because any reporter would be able to find out your birthday. It's, you know, it's, uh, I, know, I know I'm going back to 1995, but even then without the internet, they could still, uh, and we were, and we would say, well, what should we say instead? We don't say I'm not telling you. So um, we would end up, so we said, they, they told us to um, say, say your birth sign. And that was really odd because I was thinking, what? This is so bizarre. Why are we causing this intrigue? Uh, but he was doing it all on purpose. It was all done to generate this kind of intrigue. And so then people would talk about it and saying it's, well, it's meant to be a teen soap, but actually they're older. So straight away you you know, people are talking about it. So he always was a couple of steps ahead,
2: I'd say. And did that pose you difficulties and problems in real life because there you were playing younger characters? And so everyone thought that you were younger. So then when you, of course, went out on the town as actors, did that cause a few problems? Did people get a bit confused? I mean, people would instantly think you were teenagers, really, wouldn't they, because of the soap itself and its high profile?
1: Well, I think when when you saw us, you could see that we weren't underage. So if we went out, you could see we weren't under 60 or so, maybe there was an odd one or two. Um, so not really. In fact, it caused more. I do remember somebody saying quite loudly... They're not teenagers, and and they were a teenager, you know. So um and so it was it was all about creating a sort of mystery, always a always um a little bit of um a talking point. So and he did that just so well. I mean, he really really. He was so good at doing that, you know. You you really sort of bought into the whole idea of, um okay, I'm meant to be a teenager, and and that brought something every day to the script, you know. Sort of like, right, I'm playing a teenager. What would I be doing right this moment as a teenager? And um yeah, it was it was good. It was good. The whole thing was f- so much fun.
0: Oh no. Oh dear, oh dear.
1: Oh. Oh. No, this is rubbish, I'm sorry.
2: Um, unexplored brains? Okay. I know it's not the answer. Oh, oh, well, I never. You
0: and it's back. The distinct nostalgia Mind of the Month Series 5 with the first specialist subject, the Carry On Films. I can't wait. Oh, matron. Plus, we've a very special surprise involving a new role for a massive legend of soap it's all to come this autumn and winter only on distinct nostalgia oh it's amazing thanks very much make sure you tell your friends about us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts
3: Hello, and welcome to The Likely Dads, a new series that looks at parenting from the paternal perspective. I'm always wary of people who plan kids. If your life's that structured, stay away from me. We're not going to get on. (laughs) A brand new show from the team behind Distinct Nostalgia. I'm Tim Vincent, and each week, I'll be joined by my fellow Likely Dads, Mick Ferry and Russell Kane, as well
0: as a series of special guests to discuss different aspects of fatherhood. When a man has an urge to have a a child, it's not spoken about much. Women sort of own this area.
2: (laughs) We're sort of open going to be like the old films I watch where I'd just have a pipe and I'd be in a study you're, just going, you're going to see your father now for ten minutes <laughs> hello children what have you been up to today I'm not interested All Right, off to bed <laughs> an
3: MIM production for BBC Radio 4 we hope you'll join us and subscribe to the Likely Dads on BBC Sounds
0: <laughs>
2: And, and what was the chemistry like between you and the other actors then? I mean, I don't know if you knew any of them beforehand. No. Uh, but essentially, you know, you, you, you're you thrown together, aren't you? you? Yeah. You've got to get
1: on. It was... We were. I don't know whether we were lucky. Or, I don't think it's just that. Uh, I've met some of my dearest friends from that show. Um, the uh, Martine Brown that played uh, Mrs Benson. Um, Kerry Farrell that played Lucy. And Yasmin, uh, uh, Yasmin, Bannerman, that played um, uh, Maddie. We, we've stayed extremely good friends now. We're, we're just incredibly good friends. And and of course, Terry Dwyer as well. We're good friends with Terry. So, um, and I, at the time, it was, it was just, we absolutely looked out for each other. If anybody felt poorly, somebody would go and get some par- paracetamol. We, anybody had problem, you know, worried about a script that would be rehearsed. There was never any, Never any um, competition where you thought, oh, that person's not doing very well with that. Ha ha, ha, I'm going to be better. It was, couldn't have been more helpful with each other and wanted to have a good laugh. It was, it was quite, I'd like to say it was unique. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure that happens all over, but it was really very special, actually. It really was special. You know,
2: it was fantastic. I mean, in a way, I mean, you weren't like the kids in the Waltons who were growing up as children on Waltons Mountain or whatever, but... In a way, you were sort of growing into your acting lives, weren't you? I mean, you were 20-somethings, basically, weren't you, learning your trade? So I'm sure you'll always look back on it with uh, some affection, won't you?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and now you've said that, it's just made me realise that all of us that were picked had never really done much before. We'd all done something. People had done a um, sort of some very very low budget things, or the odd commercial, or some theatre. But no, no one, in fact, I don't think anybody had done any television before, or or maybe the odd episode. And that's only just occurred to me. So uh, whether he had done that on purpose, there was brand new. We were absolutely brand new to TV.
2: I think that was probably something that was uh, sort of planned in a way because you know um, if you have people on the program who are known well known you expect certain things don't you the the, the audience start to expect certain things yeah as the actors start to expect certain things as well but if you're completely unknown it's a different kettle of fish isn't it
1: yeah completely and when we all saw the first episode together we were we were slightly thrown i have to say because it hadn't quite found its feet we weren't sure whether we were supposed to be a comedy or quite what we were, so we it, we hadn't quite found our feet, but we all went out together afterwards and discussed it. And uh, and it, but it, when I say it was a big family, quite often the writers would go out with us for dinner, uh, production staff. I mean, it was quite something, actually. It's quite something.
2: Now, at the start of um, of course of of, of Hollyoaks in nineteen ninety five, Brookside was still being. Filmed and produced by Mersey TV, Phil's Production Company. Yes. Um, did you uh, did you ever come across the Brookside crew? All these great stars from Brookside were there. I mean, did you ever mix, um, socialise with them, etc.? Not
1: not very much. They um, they had their own dressing room or green room, whatever you call it. And um, it's it's strange. We didn't meet that many of them, and the ones we met that were uh, friendly enough. Um, I, I I don't know whether they were a little worried that um that we were going to somehow tread on their toes i'm not quite sure they were um just not sure about that but it's there was one lovely actor on it and i'm so sorry his name actually does escape me um and he was he gave us some lovely um sort of uh, tips on uh on on filming or what have you and that we, we we sat with him on the train going back from london to liverpool he was lovely um but I can't even remember now, when
2: did, did Brookside finish? When did that f- stop? I mean, it was a few years afterwards. It was, well, a good, good sort of um, eight years afterwards. 2003, Brookside stopped. Um,
1: no, uh, yeah, and no idea. But we, we were kept quite separate. Their production team was completely different. Um, so we didn't, we didn't even though we were on the same sort of building at Mersey TV, we didn't actually really mix. Oh, possibly may have seen him in the canteen at lunchtime, but,
2: you know. With with the early viewing figures of Hollyoaks, I mean, you know, all soaps take a bit of time to get going. But within 18 months, two years, it was doing exceptionally well and doing as well for Channel 4 as uh, Coronation Street was doing and Emmerdale was doing for ITV and EastEnders for the BBC, wasn't it? And, and of course, so you went from being completely unknown, totally unknown, to being recognised constantly, I'm sure. That must have been quite a big thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was quite surreal. I've always found that side of things just uh, quite easy, quite quite surreal really. It, it it never really fazed me. There was times when um I did laugh once. I think I was um walking down a street and suddenly there was a load of paparazzi that were were, were just suddenly all in front of me and my friend all snapping and taking pictures. And maybe they, they were, maybe it was a quiet night at the Ivy. I don't know, but it was in Covent Garden, and we were w- walking along, and I was laughing and just, uh, and smiling at them. And then suddenly, I tripped over a bag of rubbish. So, um, so I don't know what happened with that photograph. So, um, but it never, it never really phased. If anything, I, it, I, I would, I would be almost be slightly shy if I'm suddenly surrounded by people. I would. Uh, but it's, I think it's all par for the course. I think if you're going to go on TV, that's just the way it is. And if people enjoy the show, that's fantastic. You know, I'm more surprised now if people, if if somebody comes up to me and say, "Oh, well, I, rem- I used to watch Hollyoaks when you were in it. I find that surprising. I always say, well done you. That was like 22 years ago, you know, so... Uh, that's quite surprising. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah, I mean, it's something we're finding with doing distinct nostalgia. You know, through me doing the interviews and other people involved in the research, etc. You know, you, you when you grow up with characters, you might not even know them or you know ever get to know them or whatever. But the characters that they're playing, you feel an affinity with. It's part of your part of your life, and 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 I think people are very close to the kind of um, TV programs and things that they grew up with. And they remain close with them throughout most of the days it's, it's It's a strange one, really, isn't it? I mean, I grew up in the seventies and you know I was a little boy grew up in, I was born in 1972, so by nineteen eighty I was only eight, but I used to watch Coronation Street and things and there are characters in there that you know have lived with, with me all my life you know I mean she's sadly gone now, and Co Bride who played Deirdre but for me it was auntie deirdre you know i was you know uh, it, it was the character meant so much to me you know as i was growing up as, as a kid and, and beyond it's it's a funny one isn't it
1: yeah it's quite amazing you know it's quite lovely really and um sometimes getting letters like lovely letters from people and which is just fantastic you know it's i think i think the soap opera is brilliant you know and but i do remember the name when somebody said to me the name of um do you know what the name of our, our show is going to be? And I said, you know, no, what is it? And they said, Hollyoaks. And I was like, Hollyoaks? That's a really... Hollyoaks? But actually now it just seems the
2: most natural thing in the world to say Hollyoaks. Now, Hollyoaks was supposed to be in the posh bit of the northwest, wasn't it really? Sort of Chester way, kind of thing. Chester. Yeah. You know, it was, it was in the North, but it was, you know, you're a bit of a cut above the rest kind of thing, weren't you? Were you told that that was... Going to be the scenario that you 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 the posh bits as it were.
1: Yeah, it was. I do remember Phil saying, um, "You know, you're all gonna when when we do wardrobe, you're all gonna have lovely wa- wardrobes. It's gonna be very glossy. It's gonna be shot on film. You, you'll all have." goodness, I think mobile phones are just starting to come will You'll all have mobile phones, which sounds a real departure from Phil. Phil Redmond's you know, Brookside and all the stuff that he's done previous to that, all the gritty dr- drama and what have you. So it was, it was sort of quite intriguing, really. And uh, he said, well, I'm shooting it very much like an American uh, show. So uh, all the female actresses, you know, you'll, there'll be lots of lip gloss and hair. So there was a lot of emphasis on that at first. You know, getting the right hair, getting the right makeup. There was always a lot of makeup involved, so it was quite intriguing. All of that, really. It was, yeah. So, um, but he obviously wanted to do a complete departure
2: from what he'd previously done. You know. Now you started at a time when soaps were starting to go a bit soap bonkers in terms of numbers of episodes. You know, soap soap was very trendy at that particular point, and. I would have thought the Hollyoaks was probably doing the same for a while, wasn't it? And did that became become a bit too much? You know, a bit of a treadmill, as it were.
1: Yeah, I, well, I I think I, when I was shooting it, the episodes would go out twice a week and then repeat on Sunday. And at, at first, they uh, they so they would go out sort of Tuesday and Thursday, and then the repeat would be Sunday. And he moved the repeat to the morning, or Channel 4 move the repeat, till about 11.30, 12 o'clock. And we were thinking, funny, odd time to go out, rather than, um, uh, you know, not rather than air it sort of at five or six, uh, or six or seven, I should say. And um, it was really to capture all the university students. And and even now today, I, you'll have people say, I used to watch Hollyoaks when you guys were in it. And it was after a late night, laying in bed with a big fry-up breakfast and, and stick on Hollyoaks. So, there was always like a quite a canny
2: plan. <laughs> I mean, that was a big thing, wasn't it? You know, EastEnders would be on on a Sunday afternoon, and um, loads of people would have had, you know, hangovers the night before. Yes. Wake up at lunchtime on a Sunday. They might go out for Sunday dinner or whatever, but for a lot of, lot of the afternoon, they'd just loll on the sofa catching up with EastEnders. It was a big thing, wasn't it? The EastEnders omnibus. And I think the similar kind of thing happened with. With Hollyoaks, as it were, and we don't seem to have that anymore. Um, you know, because people are streaming and watching again, and all the rest of it. And 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 it was a community thing, wasn't it? Everyone got together. It was something that everyone did. As, as it was, that's
1: it. I can. Oh my goodness, yeah. And Coronation Street. So, um, but yeah, it was. But now I think Hollyoaks goes out every night, doesn't it? I think this. It's a. Uh... There's more teams. So I I, I I don't know how close they are. I'm sure lots of friendships are still being made all the time, but they must have had a much they must have a much bigger cast now and lots of different uh, pro- production areas doing their thing. But when we started, it was just one production area. And uh, so, we, as you say, we could all be um, out and about together.
2: You know. Now your character had a lot to deal with, didn't she? In the two years that you were there. I mean, you had an affair and all sorts of different things that you had to deal with. So you were kept quite busy. Did that get a bit too much? Did it form part of your decision in the end to leave Hollyoaks? Well, the decision was
1: I um because I did live really down down south and in London. And um and I had been in Liverpool two years and and I loved it. I really loved it um but it because it was like my first real tv job other than um some commercials and and the other bits were sort of theatre or low budget films i did have a feeling that i would quite like to spread my wings and go back down south you know because my home wasn't in liverpool and um so i i sort of said to them um how would you feel about me, me going onto a semi regular contract like some of the other ones and and just not uh, not in it so much, but that was, that was discussed, but they said, not really, that really, uh, you know, your character would either, would either stay and you would become more of a main character and marry, I can say this because it never did happen, Jack Osborne, the, the one I'd had the affair with and the, the Doctor bay with. So you would marry him and we would start, you know, you'd stay a main character and, uh, or, If you don't want to do that, we do understand and what the storyline would be. We'd create a big sort of affair, love affair with you and Jambo. He wants to marry you, but you are ill with leukemia and it will be terminal. And I still remember that day in the office of everything going almost in slow motion and thinking, I'm going to choose the one where, you know, me and Jambo are going to get married but i've got leukemia and you know so so yeah so they get so in, in effect they did actually give me a choice it was two storylines one to stay full-time or one to leave there wasn't a in between but it was fair enough you know and it was um uh, it was two years so that was good that was quite nice of
2: them really wasn't it really you don't usually get a choice
1: yeah it was it was really yeah If nobody was told what you were meant to do. If there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world.
0: Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up.
1: Contemporary conversations around bisexuality.
0: Oh, well, you, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused.
1: We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay.
0: It's intense
3: pressure
2: of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch.
1: Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Three men, one sketch show. Not enough time. What are you doing? I'm uh, I'm just recording our new promo for Distinct Comedy. What's with the voice? I, I, you know, I just wanted to make it all big and exciting. Build up the tension.
0: Build the tension for what? For listening. It's a sketch show, not a blockbuster film. You just need to say something like, Hey, we're the imaginary people. Listen to our sketch show on Distinct Comedy. You might like it if you're into that kind of thing.
3: Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's
0: all right, actually. Oh. Well, you better be quick before the time runs out.
2: The Imaginary People, every Monday on Distinct Comedy. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and at distinctnostalgia.com. And, and you know, I know you were only there for two years, but, it, you know, it, it was a all-encompassing part of your life in that period. I would have thought that even leaving uh, something which you were in for Huge amount of time, but, you know, it had taken over so much of your life. I would presume that that was a bit traumatic for you as well, in a way.
1: Yeah, it was a bit, it was quite stressful, actually. I don't think I'd realised how stressful it was, actually, moving back down into London. Just going from being very, very busy and then learning scripts for two years, like acting, going home, learning scripts for the next day... Suddenly, it was not so busy. And of course, you have, you know, well-meaning friends or acquaintances that would say, which is fair enough, but they'd say, oh, shouldn't you have waited until you had bagged something else before leaving? But it doesn't, it tends to not really work like that. It does seem to work that you leave and then you go up for other stuff. sort of I mean I think if you I suppose if you're somebody that's really well known you've got stuff lined up to go into um so it was a little bit stressful for a couple of months it just took a it it, you know I would I'd go up for a few things it just took a while just to sort of edge in and for casting people to know that actually you had left so um I did a play and then I then it was the panto season, so I did panto so but it's it, it you know it was quite a change
2: But it wasn't the end of you, was it? You actually went back for a cameo appearance as a ghost. Oh, that was so
1: bizarre. Yeah, that was really bizarre. I went up to be a ghost for the day. So strange. I mean, that that whole thing was really, I mean, just slightly back from that, just before um, I was to leave, there was the scene where I was in a boat, a rowing boat with Jambo. It was very cold and I was very poorly, but I wanted to go out and get some air. So we went onto a boat, as you do. (laughs) And um, he had a ring in his pocket. And the idea is, or what what happened was in the script, he was proposing to me. And I was quite poorly, actually, I was a in this boat so in the scene he has to propose and I say yes and then I start to become very unwell and I, I'm starting to go almost go to sleep and he starts trying to wake me up and saying dawn dawn wake up and then he has to shout out can somebody help me help me and we're on a boat in the middle of this lake in Chester so he shouts, he's shouting so please can someone help me and somebody from a bridge thought it was real life and shouted down mate shall I call 999 what you know is, is everything okay so uh we yeah, we caused um a bit of a drama. <laughs> they didn't call nine nine nine. And then you turn up as a ghost. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. And I turned on a ghost and I was, um I think I was in a wedding dress actually, as a ghost. That was most peculiar. That in fact that was I remember that being quite peculiar because it was on a day where I don't think anybody else was working. And so it was literally just one scene where um, it was like just a very tiny camera crew. And so I, I sort of thought, oh, I'm going to see everybody today. But everybody was actually working or off on, on, on location. So I didn't get to see them, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's great. They're great times, you know, great fun.
2: Now, of course, you've done lots of other things since Hollyoaks. Um, and you actually worked in theatre, didn't you, with... One of the greats of the carry-ons, Fenella Fielding. You've got to tell us about that.
1: Fenella. Oh, my goodness me. She was... Well, I, I mean, I remember her when she was in Carry On screaming with that very deep voice, you know, and just just amazing. And she still had that amazing deep voice. So then I was doing a show with her, Rebecca, and she was Mrs. Danvers, the very kind of evil, eerie Mrs. Danvers. And she did that fantastically, actually. She um, she must have modelled her performance on like a sort of a, 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 an angry bird or ostrich, because when she was on stage, she, she would just move her head slightly, like a slightly de- like a demon like bird. And it was very effective with the lighting and um so she was quite scary it was almost a bit like woman in black she was quite a scary mrs danvers and uh but she was really uh a real real trooper i mean she would want to go out for dinner after the show when we finished she would uh, she was um a, a, a very particular character she was um quite old fashioned in some ways when she, and she would always make an entrance coming into the room. She would wait until everybody had stopped talking before she came into the room. She was real old school, you know, real old school actor acting. And, um and what there was one day we had a matinee. Um Oh no, we didn't have a matinee. So we were going to see um a daytime performance of Pearl Harbor. And I said to Fenella, I said, Oh, I'm going to go Fenella with a couple of other members of the cast to see Pearl Harbor. Do you fancy coming along? She went, I think that would be a marvellous idea, darling. So, so we all, all went along. And, um, she has a, a, a way where, you know, she, there's a lot of attention on Fenella. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, watch Pearl Harbor and enjoy it. And we sat together. And so there's that part in Pearl Harbor. I don't know if you remember where the, the Japanese planes come in and she started saying, this is an awful script. That's actually this very deep voice that just rang all around the whole cinema. Everybody could hear her say it was an awful script. And I thought, no, nope, I'm not getting involved. I'm watching the film. And then as the planes came in, she suddenly at the top of her voice went, bastards. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the radio. Maybe you have to scrub that out. But at the top of her voice, she was just the... I mean, she could throw her voice, I think, across a football pitch. It was so quite amazing. Um, So she was a real, real character. But I did enjoy going out with her and having breakfast. And we used to have mugs of very hot tea. And poached eggs on toast was her favourite. And she always had her most amazing, big, velvety, fake eyelashes on at all times. So she was a real, I don't know, a real queen of the theatre, I think.
2: (laughs) When I've spoken to different uh, former carry-on stars, I think there was a bit of rivalry with Fenella at certain times. I remember we we talked once before, didn't we? And I remember you telling me about the effect that she had on some uh, children that you were with or she was working with or whatever tell us about that it's quite funny
1: well there was um yes there was a matinee in cambridge and my nephews were little they were like three and five and they came to see the show and of course they'd they'd watched carry on screaming you know it was one of their regular like little horror like like you know for carry on screaming for little kids is quite a nice start to horror films isn't it odd bod and that sort of thing and uh they they got very very excited and started chasing her down the corridor. They didn't mean to chase her, but she was trying to run away because I wasn't sure if she quite knew how to deal with them. To be honest, so she started running and they were running after us, just shouting, "Oddboard, where's Oddboard?" And so then I caught caught up with them and I, I, I grabbed their hands and went up to Finella and said, these are my nephews. And I said, they're looking for Oddboard. And she didn't understand why these children were chasing her down the corridor, you know.
2: Now, we're coming towards the end of um, the interview and this uh, question is a bit of a cliche, really. I often ask this, but you have to ask it really in a way um, if you've been in such a big programme like Hollyoaks. Um, did being in Hollyoaks change your life in any way
1: I don't think it changed my life in terms of um I don't I I always wanted to stay true to myself that sounds like a real cliche but I did want to stay true to myself I didn't want to get lost or because you can I'm sure you can get lost you can get very carried away with your own PR if you're not careful you know you people are treating you so importantly that you can you know you don't want to develop an ego and I didn't want that and I don't think any of us did. So in terms of, I'm very proud of doing that. I'm very, I if I think back, I'm very, very proud of doing Hollyoaks and I'm very proud of working towards doing a show like that. And I think soap opera, soap that you work so hard because it's day in, day out over a few years or however many years. So I'm really proud of doing it. I wouldn't say it changed my life. It may have been um, in um going into certain jobs, for acting sometimes was easier because you had the experience and people knew that you'd be, you know, um some people say that works against you, that, that you can be typecast. But I had somebody tell me once, a very uh, a lovely producer, Mal Young, I think he's at the BBC now. And he always said to me, just stay on television. If you want to stay in the business, just stay on television. Do, you know, I know people used to say, oh, you should pick what you do. But in this day and age, with so much different media platforms, just stay on television and in, enjoy it. And just, you know, it, nothing's going to sort of ruin your career. You can always, if you did something very lighthearted and you want to do something serious, you could go and do a play if you wanted, you know. So, um, so yeah, I don't think it changed I don't think it changed anything particularly but it was um it, I am very proud of it.
2: Now we often say and we spoke earlier on that you know the soaps these days there's a lot of them there's a lot more episodes etc it's hard work for the actors um but there is still a lot of snobbery isn't there around uh, around soap uh, within the profession to an extent but yes. also within reviewers and various things like that where people seem to see it as being uh, you know a lesser of something. Oh yeah. Um I mean, my feeling is that's nonsense because actually Soap, when it's really, really good, the acting is at at its best. It's the best acting there is. Because these programmes are on for 20, 30, 40 years, you're obviously going to have down times when things aren't so good. But actually, I think uh, most Soap actors are top of their game a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I I think that's snobbery. I think it only exists... It may be in certain circles that would have been snobby Any anyway. I, I think it's because people do know that with a soap, you don't have that, um, you know, that luxury of, of take after take after take. Quite often I remember doing Hollyoaks and it was saying, if we could just get this take in one, cause we are up against the schedule. So you, you would try and find your way around that or make sure those lines were learnt so perfectly. And, um, and so, and 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 then, as you say, within that, there's ups and downs. You're going like we're humans. We're, you're going to get weeks when you've got the absolute energy for it, or there be it might be another week where you think I didn't quite hit that right. But that's life, isn't it? It's soap opera almost, is mimicking life. So I think if anybody's going to be snobby about it, I I I think people, real people uh, that know and, and, and real actors would understand that that's that's just. Uh, silly snobbery that, sh- that that should just be, you know, told to go away. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it, it's silly because, you know, they're worth their salt and, um, you know, there's not a lot of time to, to get it right sometimes.
2: Well, of course, in some of the old soaps, you know, back in the day, there was often stories of, some of the elderly characters uh, the ones who are getting on a bit and maybe had difficulties remembering their lines anymore would stick little post it notes all over the place in different places so you'd have them gazing up at something in order to remember uh, to recognize you know their and and to be reminded of their their lines as it were but you know that whole thing of learning lines I mean I'm in the industry I'm not an actor and I often read scripts and and perform scripts and things like that but the fact that you have to learn those lines, I honestly do not know how you do it, really.
1: Well, I always say to people that, cause, um, that it's a bit like, um, uh, if you, if you can remember your name and address you you can learn lines and it's just it's like building blocks you learn those and you learn those they become more familiar and the mind is so amazing it just sticks isn't there but every now and again there'll be a sentence or a paragraph that will not stay in your head and you have no idea why and you can just keep saying it over and over again and you know that's going to be the one that trips that trips you up there was um there was one I think it was in Hollyoaks and I just thought I had to write one sentence on my hand because this sentence kept, I kept leaving it out. I don't know why. And then I couldn't get the rest of the paragraph. So I thought, right, if I do forget it, I'm going to look at my hand and then it'll spur me on to that. But most peculiar. But I do remember when Judy Dench said she was on stage. Um, I don't know if she was doing something for the National and she went completely blank. So she recited an Italian recipe in the middle. Like, and she no one knew she was saying pomodoro, mozzarella, radishes. You know, she actually was talking about some sort of panini, I think, and um, and no one noticed. And then she found the thread again, you know. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, now obviously, your character was killed off, but you know, bizarre things have happened in soaps before. You know, Gillian Taylor's character in EastEnders was killed off, and she went and spent some time in Hollyoaks for a while, and now she's back again in EastEnders. Uh, she's come back from the dead somehow. So, you know, you you may have been killed off, but you never know, you could actually be brought back to life at some point, anytime soon. You know, would you go back? Do you
1: know, it, um, if I was asked to go back now, I would... I would most love to say yes, but if they, but, and, and and of course what they do now, so I would say they, I think nowadays people tend to say, um, it's, there's a six week contract that people aren't going to say, cause in, in those days it was, um, here is your year's contract. <laughs> and, um, and we, we, it could break after six months on on our terms, but you've got to sign up for a year. That was when it started. So yes, I've, I would definitely say a hundred percent if they said, um, "Come back in for a couple of weeks or a month or so, and um, and just see what see what that's like." I mean, yeah, why? Fantastic! It's uh...
2: so there you go. Anybody listening from Hollyoaks who wants to cause us there and you know bring <laughs> Dawn back from the dead, twenty five years later or 20, 23 years later, as it were.
1: I'd be like, hello, hello, Jack. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, of course, he's still there, isn't he? That's hilarious. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Lisa, um, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. It's really been lovely. Lovely talking it's to you. About, thank you. Uh, but just one more thing to ask. I mean, it's 25 years of Hollyoaks, you know. I mean, it, it, um, I mean, soaps do tend to last, let's face it, in many ways for many, many years. Uh, some are killed off eventually, but a lot of them do last. Uh, they're the great survivors, aren't they? But it could have uh, burst its bubble quite quickly because it was a teen soap and a teen soap of its time. Um, but it seems to have managed to survive and evolve, hasn't it? Oh, oh completely. It's evolved. It's, it's almost become part of the, th- the,
1: the the thread work of national television. It's always on the National TV Awards and then BAFTA. It wins awards and um, the storylines are punchy. And So uh, so now, you know, Hollyoaks has become you know, one of the big four. You know, you've got EastEnders, there's Hollyoaks, there's Coronation Street and Emmerdale. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic.
2: Lisa, thank you very much indeed. It been great talking.
1: To you. Lovely talking to you. That's brilliant. Thank you very much.
2: Distinct Nostalgia
3: is home to some fascinating conversations with the names behind some iconic films of the 20th century, and we've a special treasure trove of interviews and reunions around Great British film. There's Morris. And the phone went, and it was James Ivory on the phone. He went, he went. Well, it's it's, it's Jim here, and I just wanted to tell you. Uh, in person that you're it, you're Marx. That's exactly what he said. You're it, you're Marx. And I went, bless you. <laughs> and then we chatted for a few minutes and, and then we, uh, my mother and I did a little jig around the kitchen. When you've spent, say, three months doing a period piece and then you moved back to doing a modern piece, you haven't got that framework of class and manners to hang anything onto. It becomes about something much subtler, and much more interesting, I think. And my beautiful laundrette. I think actually working on it and sticking two fingers up to what was going on around us in real life was such an electrifying thing. And I think that was felt by all the crew, the cast, everybody. We felt as though we were actually fighting back against the system in our own little way. Distinct nostalgia. Celebrating great British movies. Listen wherever you get your podcasts... Or browse our existing programmes at distinctnostalgia.com.
1: Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at
0: home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.